Child of God. Have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives. Heal broken hearts. Save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, Happy birthday, America. Allergies have uh, come back full force after my cruise, and uh, this is nuts. Did I tell you last week I bring you greetings from Russell and Tanya and the City Hill Church? Well, since Geneva wasn't here, I especially need to tell her, because Russell loves her more than even me, and I couldn't believe it. He said, Pastor, next time just bring Geneva. I said, well, won't you just have her come by herself? He said, well, that'd be fine. But he wants you and me to come. Okay? So we're going to have to go. All right. But uh, beautiful family. And uh, his middle son, or his youngest son is such a, uh, <laughs> such a rebel. I love it. Cindy and I were watching him thinking, well, he's out of the birth order, but, boy, he's fitting the mold, okay? We were at the beach and watching them, and he was the one throwing the sand up in everybody's hair and his hair and throwing it on his sister's feet and on her brother's, his brother's feet. It was fun. Fun. Hello. I may have to go without one today. We'll see. All right. We'll get it adjusted. Oh, mercy. Two verses of scripture that I have written up there for you. Psalm fourteen thirty four, Proverbs thirteen forty four, and uh, Psalm thirty two twelve. Proverbs fourteen thirty four says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace a disgrace to any people. And then the Proverbs the Proverbs verse, which of course is our memory verse for the week. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. Of course, that verse references Israel specifically, but it's an open statement, isn't it? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. America has experienced a great blessing of God. The founders created a country and a constitution that dealt with that. We were all given rights by who? According to the Constitution, our Creator. We were created by our Creator. So if you have a hard time figuring what Creator means, it's God. God did that. Amen? You've got the rights that you have because God gave them to you. Rush Limbaugh always shares a statement that's true. He says, I have talent on loan from God. Now, I know he's, you know, kind of puffed up and all that. But that is a true statement, isn't it? All of us, all, all the talents we have are on loan from God. That's it. Parents, the children you have to raise are on loan from God to you to do with the way he wants you to do with them. If you mess it up, you're going to pay a price for it. If you don't get them to the Lord... You're going to pay a price for that too. 
Because while they're in, under your house and under your roof, you got to get them to the Lord. Amen? And then once you get them there, then you got to help them stay there. It's really important. It's really important. Jeff and I were having, you know, you don't get to have these conversations with your children when they're adults very often, but the other day we got a chance to have a conversation. And we talked about a lot of different things. And uh, he works in an environment that uh, has a lot of different uh, lifestyles that uh, you have to deal with. And you're not just Christian, as he mentioned in his uh, devotion. But the problem we run into is when we don't have the standard of measure all the same. What measures your values in mind? The Word of God. We make no bones about it. But those outside in the world don't necessarily use the Word of God to set their values. And the sad part are those that claim they're in Christ, but don't set their values by the Word of God. That's the sad part. And got plenty of them running around as well. Courts can make a huge difference in our lives. We've just seen a court decision that radically changed America. Radically changes it. Back in 2002, maybe some of you remember this, it was a, by a vote of two to one, a three-judge panel of the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that reciting the Pledge of Allegiance in public schools was unconstitutional. 2002. It's not very long ago. Not very long at all. And they ruled the phrase, one nation under God, in that pledge, endorsed of religion. And so it violated, in the minds of two of those judges, the constitutional mandate of a wall of separation between church and state. And there's several things wrong with those judges' statement historically that are false. I'll bring that up in a second. But first, it was interesting to witness the reaction of the world in the, in the in this country to that decision. At that time, in 2002, fresh off of 9-11-2001, right on the heels of that, they're going to come out and try to say, one nation under God doesn't fit. Well, they had a lot of backlash. <laughs> President Bush was the first to speak out. said it was ridiculous. The Senate voted 99 to 0, which very rarely happens. House representatives voted unanimously to condemn that ruling. And to top it off, Judge Alfred Goodwin, one of the two judges who issued the ruling, ordered a stay on its implementation, which meant that the until the court said differently, <coughs> everything went back to the way it was before the ruling was made. He had such a backlash. All the uproar started because a California atheist claimed that his daughter was being traumatized by hearing her classmates say the word God in her presence. And then it was discovered that the daughter was bothered not by that word at all, 
In fact, her mother said that she and her daughter regularly went to church together. Also, that her daughter readily joined in with other students in saying One Nation Under God when she was reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. <coughs> Reminds me of the time when, in the Bible, when Joseph met his brothers again after the death of their father, and they were afraid of Joseph, that Joseph would take revenge. Remember that? They begged for his forgiveness. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 50, let's take a look at it. They came and threw themselves down before him. We're your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. See, what seems to be evil, what seems to be bad, God can take and make fantastic. So when you, when you say, well, the Supreme Court just said gay marriage is okay. It's just, take a deep breath, folks. <coughs> Have they strung us up yet? Have they thrown any of us in jail for saying we're a Christian? Yeah, but that's next. Well, it may be. Paul did some of his best, best evangelistic work while he was in jail. Hey, you don't have to worry about working and earning money because you'll get three meals. Right? I mean, after all, they take care of guys in jail. I mean, you, you, you have your own wardrobe. Nobody has you have to worry about buying clothes. They're going to give you a bright colored wardrobe to wear. Sandals to wear. Yeah. Three meals a day, exercise time, your own bunk bed with your friend named Bubba. Yeah. Man, it's a good thing. I wonder if they start arresting preachers if they put preachers in the cell together. <laughs> Probably put a Catholic and a Christian church guy in there together. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? One of us would be praying for some relief. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm, but God intended for good. You intended for evil, but God used it for good. That happened in 2002. I think it's going to happen again in 2015. What man thought was good, God's going to make it even better. You watch. You watch. As we serve a living God, amen? We serve a mighty God. Amen. We serve a powerful God. Amen. We serve a God of forgiveness and a God of love and a God of power and a God of might and a God who cares and a God that will die for us. They don't have that. Why is it that in Islam you, you attain the greatest glory by giving your life up in jihad? Right? Am I saying that right? <coughs> I thought all good leaders led the way. So where's the Ayatollahs in Iran who ought to be leading the way in jihad? Go out and kill themselves. That takes care of it, amen? Oh, no, 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 no. They're going to send children and women because they're such good old boys. 
I bet they, I bet they fly the Confederate flag at night. Some of you aren't with me yet. Come on. One nation under God. Why can that statement create such a problem? A simple act of declaring that the Pledge of Allegiance was unconstitutional because it contains the words under God. (coughs) Got the media so fired up. So fired up. But boy, you don't hear the media much saying about anything now, do you? The media seems to be in collusion with Satan. I mean, after all, legislation's been passed back in 1973 that some people in Washington and around the country believe that you can kill a baby even when they've developed up to seven pounds. It's okay. I don't understand that. But you know what? God is even better than that. I read an article this past week about a young lady who was Miss Pennsylvania. Any of you read that article? She was Miss Pennsylvania. She was, she was born and conceived in a rape. Her mother was raped. And her mother said, it's not the baby's fault. And the baby shouldn't be punished. So the mother had the baby girl. And the girl grew up. (coughs) And the girl, beautiful girl. And now she's Miss Pennsylvania. Talented. Bright. See what God can do? What seems to be evil, God can do something greater with it. If we'll but trust Him. See, the tragedy of the moment should not outweigh the victory on the backside. Mainstream media. <coughs> Don't hear much about them getting involved. There's this, this actually happened. A pro-life group was singing Amazing Grace. The pro-abortion group was trying to drown out the singing. And what they were yelling to try to drown out the singing of Amazing Grace was, Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. One yelled, one pro-abortion demonstrator yelled, Mary should have had an abortion. Mary should have aborted Jesus. Wow. See, it didn't take long. You know, I'm going back to 2002, and here we are 13 years later. It didn't take long for us to deteriorate even further. Because when you follow the ways of man, you will always go down. But when you follow the ways of God, you have nothing but sky and victory ahead. Amen? (coughs) It's the truth, and you know it. It's the truth and you know it. In our country, the basic framework for our country grew out of the concept of God-given rights. But you take God out, 
and it's not a pretty sight. Early 60s, the U.S. Supreme Court removed both prayer and the Bible from public school. Well, look where we are. 1966, Time Magazine declared that God was dead. That's just the beginning. Thomas Siegel wrote, I believe I have the quote up there for you. In a nation where the vast majority of citizens profess their belief in God, our courts have ruled that there is no place for His word, His praise, His glory in any public place from the schoolroom to the city park. (coughs) Whenever you speak at a commencement service, they tell you, the graduation service, do not, even at a baccalaureate, they will tell you, you can't mention Jesus, God, or the Bible. I'm at a baccalaureate service, which is a prayer service for the graduates. So what I did is I said, a wise, a wise man once said, and then I quoted scripture. <coughs> I should have quoted it in King James, then nobody would have had any problem with that because that's Shakespearean language. And, you know, hey. You see, the, the idea I mentioned a few minutes ago about the separation of, of church and state, nowhere in the Constitution does that ever appear. It's a man-made statement that we have taken hook, line, and sinker. But the three high, highest judges of the land have written on, this, on that subject, and I want to mention... That is the main point of my sermon here in just a couple minutes. New York Judge Gallagher wrote, Much has been written in recent years about a wall of separation between church and state. That statement has received so much attention that one would almost think at times it it would be found in the Constitution. But it's not there. Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart wrote, I think that the court's task is not responsibly aided by the uncritical invocation of metaphors like the wall of separation, a phrase nowhere to be found in the Constitution. Chief Justice of the Supreme Court William Rehnquist wrote, But the greatest injury of the wall notion is its mischievous diversion of judges from the actual intentions of the drafters of the Bill of Rights. You see, the wall of separation between church and state is a metaphor based on bad history, a metaphor which has proved useless as a guide to judging. It should be abandoned. So the next time you hear somebody say the Constitution mandates separation of church and state, realize that they're just simply repeating what they've heard and parroting what they've heard, and it's a false statement. When Joseph Goebbels, Hitler's minister of propaganda, said, he said this, If you tell a lie long enough and loud enough and often enough, you can make people believe it anything. And that's exactly what has happened with the phrase, the wall of separation between church and state. I think you've gotten my point. In the brief time that we have left, I want to focus on a couple of scriptures. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people who choose or chose his inheritance. You know, we could go a couple of different directions. We could talk about the things that America has been bad about. But I want to talk about three things that God has blessed America because we've done good things.
First one, God, God's blessed America because we are a generous people. I'm convinced that God's blessed this country because we are generous. We're a very selfish nation. From the beginning, our Christian foundation has led us to care and help other people. Jesus told us to love our neighbors ourselves in Matthew 22. Apostle Paul told us, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink in Romans 12. Back in 1973, a Canadian television commentator named Gordon Sinclair delivered this TV editorial. And it created a lot of comment. It's even put in as a record of congressional record here in the States. Let me read it to you. This Canadian thinks it is time to speak up for the Americans as the most generous and possibly the least appreciated people on all the earth. Germany, Japan, and to a lesser extent Britain and Italy were lifted out of the debris of war by the Americans who poured in billions of dollars and forgave other billions in debts. None of these countries is today paying even the interest on its remaining debts to the United States. And when the franc was in danger of collapsing in 1956, it was the Americans who propped it up. And their reward was to be insulted and swindled on the streets of Paris. I was there. I saw it. When distant cities are hit by earthquakes, it's the United States that hurries in to help. This spring, in 1973, 59 American communities were flattened by tornadoes. Nobody helped. The Marshall Plan, the Truman Policy, pumped billions of dollars into discouraged countries. Now newspapers in those countries are writing about the decadent, warmongering Americans. When the railways of France, Germany, and India were breaking down through age, it was the Americans who rebuilt them. But when the Pennsylvania Railroad and the New York Central went broke, nobody loaned them an old caboose. I can name you 5,000 times when the Americans raced to the help of other people in trouble. Can you name me even one time when someone else raced to the help of Americans in trouble? Our American neighbors have faced it alone. And I'm one Canadian who is tired of hearing, of hearing them kicked around. They will come out of this thing with their flag high. And when they do, <coughs> they are entitled to thumb their nose at the lands that are gloating over their present troubles. And I hope Canada is not one of them. God's blessed America because we're a generous people. Secondly, God has blessed America because right makes might. Right makes might. I'm convinced God's blessed us because right makes right. Terrorists live by the opposite principle. They think that bombs, and because they're willing to die to use them, they can terrify their enemy into submission. They think might makes right. But America's always believed just the opposite. This small struggling nation in the 1700s, we were a nation of farmers. We didn't have the industrial factories of Britain. We depended on her for our supplies. And we depended on Britain's army and navy for our protection. <coughs> so when it came time, for the American Revolution, we had none of the ingredients to win except we had the right on our side. Right makes might. In our little log cabin schools, children received a basic education in reading, writing, and arithmetic. But most importantly, they also learned what was right from the Word of God. 
Brad, you and Bright, remember when we could, when you guys could mention God in the classroom and not have to fear? Carry a Bible and put it on your desk and not have to fear? Well, those were the days, weren't they? <laughs> now you can be arrested and lose your pension and lose your teaching job. Really, folks? I'm glad these two coaches are unashamed of their Lord Jesus Christ. And they'll tell them, anybody will listen. They do it at the right time. But we, we live in a crazy time. Our founding fathers believed they were right. They waged war. The 13 colonies had few armaments and limited resources. They faced the largest army and navy in the world at that time. The largest empire in history, the British Empire, and defeated them. Out of that conflict, our founding fathers produced the Declaration of Independence of the Constitution of the United States that gave the greatest amount of freedom to the greatest number of people. Why do people still want to come to this country? Because it still represents the greatest country in the world. I read an article the other day that said the Islamists that live in America, 80% of them want to live under Sharia law. I said, get on a plane and take off. There's plenty of countries operating under Sharia law. This doesn't need to be one, and I pray it never will be. The United States grew up to give the greatest good to all mankind because right makes might. Look at all the wars the United States has fought and compare them to the wars of other nations. <coughs> Think of the empires that have gone to war to gain territory and wealth. Spain, France, other European nations. But the United States has refused to get rich off the wars that she wins. Our nation even turns around to give to those we defeat and to build back up the nations that we've attacked and that have attacked us. The American experience of freedom and liberty has been tested in every century, in almost every generation, from George Washington in Valley Forge to Abraham Lincoln to Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall, Mr. Gorbachev. Seems there's always been challenges to American freedom, and today we're being challenged again. God's blessed America because we are a generous people. He's blessed us because we, because right makes might. And then thirdly, He's blessed America because Christians are trying to carry out the Great Commission. <coughs> when Jesus said in Mark sixteen fifteen to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, the church has taken that command seriously. From the very beginning of our colonies, the settlers sought to reach out to the Indians and to others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But since World War II, in particular, the United States Center for World Missions in Pasadena, California, reports that there have been more than 600,000 career missionaries who've gone out to almost every part of the world. And what did these missionaries do? Well, they went to evangelize and to win people to Christ. In the process, they established hospitals and orphanages and clinics and agricultural centers and schools and colleges and seminaries all over the world. Some of them have paid the ultimate price in their dedication of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I close this morning, I hope that you are like me. I'm still truly concerned about America. I'm very concerned. 
Because any time that you turn from God, there's a price to pay. Now let me bring it back down to your house. If you turn from God as an individual, there's a price to pay. But oh, i got some great news for you. When you turn to Jesus, instantly He can restore. Instantly He can bring back. Instantly He can do what seems immanable and immeasurable. He can do more excellent things than we could ever hope or ask for. That's what He says in Ephesians chapter 2. <coughs> so as a country, as individuals in this country, we must fall on our knees and call out to Almighty God. He says in Second Chronicles, If my people who are called by my name will humble, myself, humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Three steps. Then I'll hear their prayers and I'll heal their land. So let's don't wait for those outside of Christ, those of us in Christ. Let's hit our knees. Let's humble ourselves. Let's pray. And let's seek His face. And then let's see what God has to do with America. Father, I ask you this morning, a very feeble attempt I've made to try to get us to understand how great this country is. Some would say our greatest days are over. I say our greatest days are yet to come if, if we realize who we've kicked out. It's not President Obama. It's not President Bush. It's not the Republicans or the Democrats. It's the fact, God, that we have turned our back on you. We can never become a nation of greatness again until we become a nation on its knees calling out to the power of Almighty God to restore this country, but to restore better our hearts and our lives to You. So Father, I'm asking today that we start in this church and everyone in this church make sure that their heart is right with You. And God, if it's not, this is the day to make it, right, make it so. And Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Great song of faith. If you want to respond this morning,